Chronicles chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. Second Chronicles chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, NLT. Second Chronicles chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. When you get there, say amen. Verse 1 of 2 Chronicles 15 says, Then the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, son of Oded, and he went out to meet King Asa as he was returning from the battle. Listen to me, Asa, he shouted. Listen, all you people of Judah and Benjamin. The Lord, listen, don't y'all miss this. The Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. Whenever you seek him, you will find him. But if you abandon him, he, the Lord, will abandon you. Verse 3, for a long time, Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach them and without the law to instruct them. But whenever, verse 4, they were in trouble and turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him out, they found him. Y'all want to hear that. During those dark days, it was not safe to travel. Problems troubled the people of every land. Nation fought against nation and city against city. For God was troubling them with every kind of of problem. This is part two of our message titled Divine Disruption, Living in Times of Distress. Divine Disruption, Living in Times of Distress. Let's pray. Father God, we come once again in Jesus' name just to say thank you. Lord, even now we lift up the hearts and minds of the bereaved families, the Johnston family. Uh, Lord, uh, we pray for traveling mercies. And Lord, uh, you're the only one in this time of trauma and uh, Lord, painful memories, God. Not painful memories, but pain as a result of things that happen all of a sudden. Lord, we give over the, the, the families to you. We ask even now that you would bless each and every one under the sound of my voice. Those that are watching via social media, we pray, God, that your word would go forth to convict, convince, and to convert. Even now, Lord, have your way. We submit ourselves. We wait in our tents to hear a word from you. We say yes to your will, your word, and your way. For it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. With thanksgiving always. And all of God's people said amen, amen, and amen. This is Memorial Day weekend. When we celebrate the memory of veterans who have lost their lives in a time of war, veterans who have been injured as a result of battle, 
for freedom and liberation and oppression from a known and sometimes unknown enemy. Now we know from a historical perspective that humankind, humanity, the human race has been involved in wars and linked to rumors of war, all of which are very distressful to everybody concerned. And the most recent wars that perhaps we're more familiar with uh, involving the United States is uh, that comes to mind is the Afghanistan war and the Ukraine war. But also in our looking at Memorial Day, we need to also look from a spiritual perspective. In Memorial Day, spiritually thinking, it's a time to remember, listen, the uncommon courage of everyone under the sound of my voice and those that are listening in. Uh, courage it takes for those who have sacrificed their own lives and are, who are still sacrificing their lives to protect their loved ones. Amen, somebody. Their loved ones and family, you're protecting them, you're praying for them, you're holding them up in order to secure freedom. Amen. From bondage, oppression, and death from the enemy who will never surrender in his attempt to take us out. The enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. If he can't get you, he wants somebody else close to you. He wants your husband, your wife, your children, your grandchildren, your sons and daughters. Sometimes I'm talking about we have to, this Memorial Day, we, we, we have to be, be, be mindful that we've got to fight on. We can never surrender to that old enemy, Satan, the devil, who is unrelenting in his schemes and snares and traps and his plan, that's here it is, to lull us into complacency. To get us to think that it's eh, useless. You've been praying and ain't nothing happened. If you think prayer has not done anything, please don't stop. It'll be worse. He wants to lull us into complacency, compliance, and a false sense of security. So every now and then he'll make it seem like everything is all right. And with that being said, there's somebody then a lot of us, I have often found myself, if I'm not careful, we have a tendency to forget the God who has given us victory already in the past. And we sometimes relax. We get comfortable with the way things are. And if we're not careful, we put our guard down. And when we do that, we forget about God and then we experience divine disruption God says I've got to allow distress in your life because sometimes people can't handle blessing no 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 sometimes when you bless you you forget the God who has blessed you sometimes when we prayed and we prayed and God has answered prayer and given us victory. We forget about the God that made it happen. 
Understand where there is divine disruption, there is always distress. Distress is emotional, social, and spiritual or physical pain or suffering that may cause a person to feel sad, afraid, depressed, anxious, or lonely. I don't know who God is talking about or talking to this morning. And when we think about distress in the Old Testament, the Hebrew picture of distress is, 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 is they use a word zera, and it means narrow or tight. And it's a picture, this picture of distress is, is a picture of being hemmed in, squeezed, or trapped with no options. And on a number of occasions, David, King David spoke about being pressed. Hello, somebody. Where you feel like uh, your enemies are, are, are winning and you feel hemmed in, pressed in, uh, like you can't smother in you. No way, no option, a way out. You do know that distress will cause people to feel danger or alarm, to be worried or frightened. You hear about all the shootings. I was talking to my wife. I, I sometimes I get so sick and tired of hearing the bad news. I don't know if it was this week, last week, talked about 18 people got 18. People got shot. Not eight. That's bad enough. Not eight over a period of five years. Eighteen people in a short period of time. I don't know if it was one day. Eighteen people and I think two, three of them got killed. It's enough to cause distress. Understand. <laughs> we rub shoulders every day with people who are distressed. Amen. I know we come in, we put our best face on. Come on, we smile and we look. Somebody may be sitting next to you this morning. Out there, we rub shoulders every day with people who are distressed, desperate, hurting, and lonely. I know I'm right about it. And if we are honest, oftentimes that very person that might be distressed might be you or me. Anybody other than me going through something? Yeah, you wouldn't know it because I'm going to not allow what I'm going through to keep me from doing what God called me to do. And then somebody, oh, pastor don't have a problem in the world. Oh, if you only knew. Oh, if you only knew. Talk about putting God's word in the forefront. Lord, you said. Lord, you said. Lord, you said. Lord, you said you would supply all my needs according to, you said it. I believe it. But it also lets us to know in Acts that sometimes you got to wait till the midnight hour. I don't know. Nisi, why God says midnight and at midnight they got freed up. Crystal, at midnight Lord, can't you come at 1130, 10.05? Can't you, matter of fact, come at 8 o'clock? But at midnight, maybe God wants to see if you're going to practice what you're preaching, preach what you practice. Maybe God wants to see if he can hear praise coming from you. 
Maybe God wants to see even though you're going through, you still got a word of encouragement for somebody else. Maybe what God wants to know, you can sing songs of joy. When things are not looking well. Now I didn't say anything is easy to do. In case you I didn't say it's easy. Because somebody might say, you're a, you're a fool. With, with all you're going through? No. If I don't praise him, I will succumb to my trouble. If I don't look at him, I will go down. If I don't keep looking up and I start looking down, I'm going to fall down. So I make a decision. Look up to the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. Ah. Uh, Devil, devil, devil's a liar. Try to get me to look at, well, I don't see you. You know, they, they ain't giving that much in the church. And you, you, you ain't hardly going to make it. You ain't. It's a humanly impossible situation, Sister Pat. But God. God's got something going on. He's got somebody that he's going to touch their heart that they can do what God blessed you to be a blessing. Distress and mental health issues is not just a 21st century concern. No, mental health issues. That's why Dr. Bethea is going to help you on coming up this Saturday. That's been going on forever. We were talking about it in Bible study, y'all, the faithful. We were talking about mental health and characters in the scripture. Y'all remember that? We took several weeks and we identified a male and female. Amen. And, and, and although the Bible doesn't, uh, in, in most cases, use the word depression, uh, it's often referenced by other similar words such as downcast, brokenhearted, troubled, miserable, despairing, distressed, and mourning, among some others. And throughout the Bible, there's, there's, there's so many individuals who, who were distressed and had to deal with mental health issues and oftentimes if you don't deal with the issue it becomes a mental illness neglect can I get a witness you remember Dr. Bethea mentioned it when she got up and we talked about it in Bible study that David was troubled and battled deep despair all throughout the Psalms David talks about his distress his anguish his loneliness his fear of the enemy, his heart cry over sin and the guilt he struggled with because of it. And then in other places in scripture, David talks about his own weaknesses. I don't know who God is talking Everybody got weakness. Amen, somebody. Everybody, you, me, your brother, your sister, your mama, your dad, everybody got weaknesses. And in times of distress that we can all relate to. Psalms 38 and 4, David said, my guilt overwhelms me it's a burden too heavy to bear and then in psalm 42 11 david said why why sometimes you got oh why am i going through this why am i discouraged that's what david asked why is my heart so sad i won't put any come i will put my hope in god you got to come to a conclusion you're going through, but I will put my hope 
in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Ah, Elijah, the prophet, was distressed, discouraged, weary, and afraid. After his spiritual victories, you know, after the blessing come the testing. <laughs> after his spiritual victories over the prophets of Baal in 1 Kings 19, this mighty man of God experienced great fear. And in his distress, he ran for his life. Far away from the threats of Jezebel. You got a whole lot of Jezebels. Male and female. After you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there in the desert, he sat down and prayed, defeated and warned. God is talking to somebody. In 1 Kings 19 and 4, he, uh, 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 Elijah said, he, it says, Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down on a, a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. Imagine the situation. I heard Crystal say sometimes, somebody wants to say, I want to die. I want to give up. Your son ain't the only one. I'm mental health. No, no, no. First Kings 19 and 4. He prayed. Elijah did. That he might die. Guess what he said? I've had enough. Y'all read the scripture. I'm reading it. He said, I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. For I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. Let me go be with Nana. So Jeremiah in his distress, he wrestled with loneliness, feelings of defeat. In Jeremiah 20 and 14, y'all take these notes. He says, I cursed the day I was born. Now he in some deep, serious trauma. He said, may no one celebrate the day of my birth. Talking about living in distressful times. Hannah. Y'all remember Hannah. 1 Samuel chapter 1. Verse 10. Hannah was in deep anguish. Crying bitterly. As she prayed to the Lord. And in verses 6 and 7 of 1 Samuel chapter 1. The Bible talks about the fact that Hannah was very distressed. Amen somebody. Verse 6 says so. Panina. Hannah's rival would talk Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. She couldn't have babies, so here's a woman that can have children talking. That, that's being mean. Aha, yeah, yeah. uh -huh, you can't, I'm, I'm breaking that. You can't have a baby. Aha. Uh -huh. Verse 7, 1 Samuel 1 says, Year after year, unrelenting, unrelenting. It was the same Panina who would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. I'm trying to go to church and you still, but you know people in church can't get on your nerves. Don't look at nobody next to you. Keep your eyes at me. They said, don't look, look. Elder, I didn't tell them to start no trouble. I said, look at me. But people can come, people can be used unknowingly and sometimes knowingly to come to church to keep you from hearing a word. Y'all yeah. yeah. ain't listening. Yeah. They'll come in with some nonsense, Sister Eleanor, some foolishness, 
They're talking next to you, talking about this, that, the other, when they ought to be listening. You didn't come to church to talk. You came to hear where? It says in verse 7, 1 Samuel 1, each time Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not eat. But remember, listen, y'all. In every one of those biblical scenarios we just referred to, in the end, God worked out every distressful, depressive, mental health issue that God's people had to go through. Can I get a witness? I'm talking about divine disruption, living in distressful times. In other words, we thank God that he speaks comfort and encouragement through the word, through his word, no matter how much distress you and I are dealing with. You, you, you know, the more I preach this, the more I, I believe God says, you, you, you do a mighty good preaching, you loud. And you, you, you can be long if I don't edit you. And I want to see if you're going to practice this thing, Reverend. I want to see if you're going to stand when you don't have seemingly a foundation to stand on. My hope is built yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. Yeah. I dare not trust the sweetest flame, but holy lead. Yeah. Holy lead yeah. on Jesus' name. On Christ. On Christ. On Christ. The solid rock I stay. Yeah. Oh, other ground yeah. is sinking sand. In our text, let me hasten here. We're reminded concerning King Asa, who had great faith because in, y'all read it when you get home, in 2 Chronicles chapter 14, it talks about how he fought off the great Ethiopian army as a result of God's strength. But unfortunately, after God blessed his people with victory, as life proceeded along, King Asa and his people strayed from God. That's why God can't bless us for so much. Amen, somebody. You, you get a new job, you get a raise. <laughs> you don't think about blessing the church, you just think about you. You doing you. God said, why don't you do my people too? When God blesses you, now I don't want to get personal, they did have a uh, tax is over now, but some people got blessed. I wonder, did you bless the church? It's quiet. You talk to like some people got money, and 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 the church. You know your church needs funds. You know your pastor. Oh my God! I had a. Uh, Sister Pat, your sister, Sister Frances, got up one day and, and she came in here in a wheelchair. And she got up and standing right over there where my wife is and Sister Cindy. And she said, I'm tired of my pastor. Y'all making him like he begging. You know what's needed in here. Why do you keep on doing it? That was God talking to somebody. Remember, as life proceeded along, however, King Asa and his people strayed from God. He blessed them with victory. All they did was suck up the victory and forget the God who gave them the victory. Amen, somebody. In the last part of 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 2, it says, the Lord will stay with you 
as long, don't miss this, as long as you stay with him. Whenever you seek him, you will find him. But if you abandon him, he will abandon or forsake you. Now, wait a minute. I hear somebody say, wait a minute. I keep quoting, Pastor, you keep quoting. The Lord will never forsake, leave or forsake. Hebrews 13 and 5, ain't it? His children. What's going on? Well, Hebrews 13 and 5, the new King James says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And then the New Living Translation of Hebrews chapter 13 says, don't love money. See, we don't, we just jump down to, I will never leave nor forsake you. But there's context. Don't love anything more than me or other than me like that. Don't love money. I'm reading it for Hebrews 13 and 5, New Living Transit. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. Understand the promise, I will never leave you nor forsake you, was first given to Israel and Joshua before entering the promised land. Deuteronomy 31 and 6. Read it when you get home. And in the New Testament, quoting from Deuteronomy 31 6, we see the Hebrew writer repeats the promise of God's eternal presence with believers. But notice, in Hebrews 13 and 5, is preceded by the command. Don't, let me break it down, don't let nothing else get in your way or in keep, keep take you away from me. Because if you allow something else or someone else to take you, then I'll abandon you because you have abandoned me. Y'all don't like that. I'm still going to quote 13 and 5. But you got to understand the context. Because if not, you say, I can do whatever I want to do. Keep my money, do everything. God says, no. And I can start the, hanging out this and, 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 and nobody would know I'm a Christian but you because I'm hanging out doing everything non-Christian like God says, no. I ain't going to let you go out and give me a bad name. I'm not going to bless your mess. Oh man, it's quiet in here. It says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Instead of trusting riches or other things which ultimately will fail, believers should place their hope in God who promises he will never abandon us, but it's we who abandon him. Hello, somebody. The question is, where's your focus this morning? Where's your focus, somebody? The Lord will stay with you, verse 2, as long as you stay with him. And whenever you listen, seek him, you will find him. But if you abandon him, he will abandon or forsake you. In other words, and I'm hastening on, a few more minutes and I'm going to be done. It means that God will turn you over to your own devices. Your own evil and fleshly desires. Am I right about it? You remember Romans chapter 1 verse 28? Pastor, you're doing too much teaching. Well, the people perish because of a lack of knowledge. I can just shout and scream and y'all, woo! I already heard somebody say this. It was a testimony. I don't know. Y'all was on Bible study and the lady admitted and she was, you know, I told her she had it. She said, you know what? Uh, uh, I was at the church and the guy, uh, whoever the preacher was preaching and, and I felt so good. 
And she said she went home and said she felt so good. Somebody said, what did he talk about? She said, I don't know. But I know when he was shouting, I felt good. You can't live off of gravy. Don't you know that you need the word of God? In season and out of season. You can't go home where he made me feel good. You need the word to sustain you. The devil's not messing around with your gravy, but the word of God is what keeps him away. Ah, uh, you got to know why you're shouting. Am I right about it? God says, I'm not going to force you to do the right thing. You go right ahead and do your own thing. But remember Galatians 6 and 9. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man or woman sows, that he or she will also reap. If you keep investing in your own thing and nothing for helping the kingdom, God said that'll waste away. I want to, I'm blessed. You see, a lot of people think if they give God or give the church money, they're going to be coming up short. God says, the more you give, I'm going to give back to you to be able to give some more. The more you give, I'm going to give you back more to bless. The devil keeps telling you, well, I ain't going to have. You keep looking at the devil. God said, you want to add by giving. Uh, why? Why did God give them over? God gave them over to those things because of a choice they made to reject the knowledge of God and creation. I was listening to the preacher today. Some people have a passive outlook or receptive reception of the word of God. Passive means I feel good while I'm in here. As soon as I walk out the door, it's gone. James says not to be just a hearer, but a doer of God's word. You got too many hearers. They hear the word. They heard what God said about being given, but they ain't going to do it. They don't come in to allow the word to change them. They come in a, with a spirit of passivity. I want to do because I don't want to look bad. I want people to think. And God says, no, I know your heart. Yeah. Now you tell me, I don't have a whole lot. Y'all forgot. 10%. You give $10, what's that? history foolish men and women have attempted to bring God down to their level portraying him in various images and worshiping created things rather than the creator people worship their homes they worship their cars come on now they worship you know what they worship y'all can have what do people worship clothes your body Children, y'all helping me. But God says nothing should be worshipped but him. Am I right about it? Exodus 21 to 5, and I'm hastening to a close. 
Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 to 5, the New Living Translation says, Then God gave the people all these instructions. Because you got too many people talking about, I don't know no better. Some of us was raised in the church, and you still don't know what God is talking about. Amen. Then God gave the people all these instructions. Verse 2 of Exodus 20, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, from out of the world. I saved you. The place of your slavery. Verse 3, you must not have any other God but me. Verse 4, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. Verse 5, Exodus 20. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, here we go, I'm a jealous God. I won't tolerate, I'm reading the Bible, your affection for any other gods. God says, I'm not going to tolerate with you. You call yourself a man or woman of God and you out there worshiping idols. He says, I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. You want your children to be, but some of us curse our children because we don't do right. Oh, man. Some of us, you want to know why your children, because you cursed them. You're the one that got them where they are. Oh, God. Said the sins of the parents upon their children, the entire family is affected. Even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. What Joshua said, paraphrasing, I ain't worried about what they did back then, granddaddy and grandma and great-great-grandma. But as for me and my house, don't hold what I didn't do back then. I'm a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. As for me and my house, my house, my house, my house, we go serve the Lord. Children, don't you keep blaming mommy for all your stuff. Keep blaming mommy. Now mommy telling you something, won't you listen now? If you're telling you the right way, you, you listen all that now, listen now. Ah. Uh, Verse 6 of Exodus chapter 20 says, listen, for those that make up their mind to do the right thing right now. He says, but I lavish excessive unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. It's not how you start, but it's how you finish. I used to be let me give a testimony. I'm a, I got the class. I used to be yeah. <laughs> an alcoholic. Yeah. Twelve years of age, yeah. gangbanger. Yeah. I hung around with some crazy folk. Yeah. I know y'all can testify to this. Yeah. I hung around. I got sisters in here, relatives in here. I told my brother one time. He said, "No." I said, "Man." I was with some thugs. 
they would walk around back then. And if a guy didn't look right, they'd stick him. That's horrible. I remember at the state store, that's what they used to call it. They call it liquor store and all that now. State store, I'm talking about how old I am. On Samson Street, West Philly. The guys used to hustle to get their wine. Tiger Rose, Thunderbird, Tokay, ah! 99 cent. But I always worked. I'm going somewhere. I always worked, so even when I was 12, and I started drinking at 12. I ain't going to tell you all my business. It's too much information. Can't give you all. Y'all think I, Holy Ghost tell them to tell I The Holy Ghost say, don't be stupid. But I always had my quarter. That was more than they got together to put towards the court. So I didn't have to hustle, man. Can I get no me dime and all that stuff? No. I always had mine. And here's what the devil tried to do. I was an alcoholic, but my friends started doing drugs, the other poison. Shooting up. Heroin and snorting. Crack and all that stuff. But look how God watched over me because I had a praying grandmother. You better stop making fun of mama and grandmother and they praying for you talking about, oh, that looks silly. I'm so glad I had a praying grandmother. I was busy drinking my wine and they would come and say, come on, man. They call me by my nickname. Don't you say it, Nisi. Everybody had nicknames. And I used to act crazy. I was just as sensible, Sister Darby, but I had to act crazy be around crazy people. They hard, beat you up, you know. And I used to hang around with the old heads, you know. They get their money together and we get out one. But here, what the enemy tried to do, he tried to get me to switch from the liquor to drugs, the other drugs. But God wouldn't allow me to go there. And I found out, and I told my wife this, because he knew if I had to start taking heroin, I probably wouldn't have made it. I love to get high. Come on, y'all look at Anybody used to love to get high? I used to love to get high. I used to take a court, me and another guy, and throw it down all about here. And one time I did it and my heart jumped like it's gonna bust out. God says, This is gonna kill you if you don't stop. But what happened? I met a praying woman. Somebody that cared for me. That's my wife. She was my girlfriend then. And she, you know, you get the right person. I didn't have to go to drug program or alcohol program. If I wanted that woman, I had to change. Am I right about it? God will put in your life 
who you need in your life to help you change your life so you won't go back to the old life and I'm so glad I stopped doing drinking I stopped an alcoholic but it was because of the Lord putting my wife in my life he gave me a new taste a new walk a new way to look a new way to talk and he said I'm going to raise you up I want to call you to preach. Tell them that the Lord can save anybody who wants to be saved. I said, save me. My grandmother had been praying for me. I gave my life to the Lord. I'm so glad somebody prayed for me. Had me on their mind. Took the time to pray for me. I'm so glad they prayed. I'm so glad they prayed. Say yeah. Say yeah. Say yeah. Uh, as we rest on our feet.